Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 3BY podcast. We are in the beautiful downtown living room of our house. <laughs> We're actually not traveling for once. Uh, we pay for X amount of airspace in a month, and uh, we're coming up on our period with a little bit of extra extra time, so we're doing an extra special, extra broadcast, podcast, whatever you want to call it, just for you. Give you a bonus. Yes, because we've had this 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 time, this, this block of time has been sitting out there. I've been watching the days come closer and closer. These are podcasts are recorded well ahead of time, so just so that you know. But it's kind of closer and closer, and, and this amount of time has been plaguing me. And I, I'm watching it, and it's just plaguing me and plaguing me and plaguing me. And to so death. Spice said... What could be more fun than to talk about the Black Death? The plague. The plague. The plague. Oh, rats. <laughs> oh, rats. Mnemonic, bubonic. All kinds of fun with the plague. Don't forget septicemic. No. Actually, okay. it'd be okay if the world would could forget septicemic plague. That would be all right. Okay. But. Well, you know, if you don't want to listen to me, I'll put on some anthrax. <laughs> which actually, anthrax is not the plague. It's a totally different thing, which we could talk about. But not right this very minute. It's another nasty disease, but not so famous that it gets to be the plague. Although, we can talk about anthrax as well. If, if you happen to be digging around in a plague pit that was really actually anthrax, you can still get it to this very day. You can probably still get the plague that way, too. Uh, not as likely. Not as likely. Anthrax... Anthrax so, is a stable little bugger. Okay. So... You're going to talk about rats. That's the problem. The plague never actually went away. The plague didn't go away. Uh, This is the same plague, by the way, that killed, on the average across Europe, about 40% of the population between 1348 and 1350. How much percent did you say? About 40% of Europe as a whole. That's a lot of people. Yeah. Some communities it was 90%. Some communities it was far less. The most isolated communities it was it was less. And then it came back every 20 years until we figured out that hygiene thing, basically. Every 20 years, because that's about how long it took to get enough kids who hadn't been, hadn't already survived it to be able to sustain another epidemic worth of it. And, of course, as it went on and went on, it it did get, in, in in a sense, a little less lethal as it went on because it was not what you known what's known as a virgin field anymore. But, yeah. but it's not necessarily that the infection even changed; it's the people changed. Yeah, but it still was really deadly. Humans of European descent have been selected for some ability to resist the plague. That's right. So it's whereas, for example, Native Americans. Not, Not so, so much. much. Well, if you do hear a noise in the background, that is our heater. Unfortunately, it's heater time. Cycling on and off. I could turn the heater completely off and be totally happy. I like the house at 50 degrees. That makes me happy. The spice unit, not so much. <laughs> so if you do hear maybe a little rustling, that's the, that's the heater 
blowing its little warmth over to spice. Yes. We use our main heater, in case you wanted to know, is electric. And we do have supplemental heat that requires absolutely no electricity because we're preppers. And power goes out here from time to time. And the power goes out here because we're preppers in the middle of nowhere. But we don't have the plague in this house. At least I hope we don't. We don't have any plague rats here. But there is plague in the United States. I'm going to let you just tell the story. All right. So the main way people get plague is they get bitten by a rat flea that has the plague. Not a rat, a flea. The bacterium, Yersinia pestis is the name of it, is happy to spend its whole life cycle living in rats and being transferred from rat to rat by the rat flea. Oh, you dirty rat. Yeah. And rat fleas don't mind infecting other rodents. They infect prairie dogs and uh, deer mice and voles in the United States are the main carriers in the U.S. We have uh, lots. We spent a lot of time in in the middle of prairie dog fields because we loved to watch the little puppies. But you know, it's hard to imagine that those little guys are carrying the plague around with them. But they are. Am I? If I'm not incorrect, don't. Um, the speed bumps, armadillos. <laughs> yeah, don't they have it? Uh, yes, they can transport. Thought they did too. Yeah. Yeah. So if you ever go to pick up a dead armadillo on the side of the road, don't use a shovel. Because I mean, who's really tempted anyway? <laughs> but shovel it and don't touch it personally. Well, fleas can jump, so I would just leave them alone. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We actually here in North Missouri, we're. On the other side of the armadillo line, they do come up here occasionally, but they really can't. We're just a little too cold in the winter for them to make it. They find winter fairly disgusting. But they get get caught up on the in trucks and stuff like that. So we do see the occasional armadillo. We don't see prairie dogs around here. There are rats. It's I mean it's the rural oh, area. Sure. Hog lots and cattle lots, barns are going to have rats. So. Plague got to the U.S. actually by uh, rats on ships. But once it got here, it infected some of the native rodents and the armadillos and things like that. We have, oh, the U.S. averages 10 or less infections most years. Sometimes there's a worse outbreak when the weather in the southwest gets dry and the little mice and things that are carrying the fleas have to migrate into people's houses to find something to eat because it's been so dry, and then uh, people usually catch it that way. Or they catch it from uh, park cabins when they're out camping, from the mice that hang out there, or from the prairie dogs. Wildlife biologist uh, died of the plague here not too long ago. He was uh, vivisecting a mountain lion to find out what had killed the mountain lion, and sadly he discovered what had killed the mountain lion. Oh, well, the reason we came up with this topic is because it's in other parts of the world, too, and there has recently been an, an epidemic outbreak in Madagascar. And, you know, we were discussing, at the time, we were discussing uh, antibiotics, uh, because this is a big thing, antibiotics, antibiotic resistance. Um, of course, when you're a prepper, if uh, you're in a SHTF situation, antibiotic Availability may be, be quite limited, um, so I was just basically wondering. Well, you know, 
with all the resistance that's out there, has the plague become antibiotic resistant? Not that I've been able to find a record of when I've been And this is a very good around. thing. Oh yeah, this is a good thing. But really it doesn't affect probably enough people to make it happen. And the kinds of animals that carry the plague are not the kinds of animals we're protecting or trying to make grow by feeding antibiotics to. Right. Nobody's really that interested in sustaining the well-being of their barn rats. So they haven't been exposed to a whole bunch of antibiotics. Now, this is another topic for another day. But I'm just going to mention that we are going to come back to antibiotics in uh, mass-produced animals. We're gonna, that's going to be a topic we're going to talk about where uh, Spice and I are, in a sense, vegetarians because we don't eat mass-produced meat. But in a sense, not vegetarians because we actually do eat meat, just not mass-produced meat. Right. I mean, if we <laughs> were to kill it ourselves or have a friend of ours who supplies us with things like uh, venison jerky and stuff like that, we'll eat that. But... Catalot stuff, not so much. And there's many reasons, and one of the reasons is all the antibiotics and crud they put in those th- those animals. But anyway, th- that's a different topic for a different day. Um, let's talk about people hear words like bubonic, pneumonic, stuff like that. What do those mean? All the same bacterium. Causes all of them. Right. If you get it from the bite of a flea, then it's likely to settle in your lymph nodes and make your lymph nodes swell up and the bacterium replicates in your lymph nodes. And it's really disgusting and painful and unpleasant. And about 30 to 60% of the people who catch the bubonic version of the plague die. And the other 70 to 40% survive it. Uh, to be fair, we're talking about untreated people. Yes. All of this is untreated. Untreated. Uh, But sometimes it uh, takes different forms. If it breaks out of the lymph system and just generally infects the whole bloodstream, it's called septicemic plague. And at that stage, it's very easy to catch it if you're contacting the body fluids of the person who's got the plague. Like, say, trying to remove a corpse or clean a corpse from burial is a great way to catch the plague if the person had septicemic plague. And yes, we're going to come back to if you have to bury people in a future uh, episode, pod, either podcast or article, because there are certain things you really have to do. If there's no mortuary available, you know, you. It, of course, obviously it depends on also what they died of, but, you know, you can really end up messing yourself over if you don't do that right. That's been a major feeder of a bunch of different epidemics of different diseases. Especially the most recent Ebola outbreak was largely transmitted by um, families of the affected just couldn't stand to not bury them properly. Right, and frankly, a lot of, there was a, even in a situation where everybody knows, look, we've got to contain this, you know, there's still a lot of stigma that, that goes with Ebola in Africa. And a lot of families were trying to hide the fact that they had a family member with Ebola, and that's just a bad idea. So, True. Now, once the plague gets septicemic, one of the things it can do is get into a person's lungs. Mm-hmm. And that becomes a pneumonic plague. That's bad. Considering the fatality rate for the untreated individual is 
pretty nearly 100%. Yeah, that's bad. That's bad. Worse yet, as if it needed a worse yet. Uh, While the person is dying, which can take several days, they're pretty much coughing their lungs up, and every cough sprays out millions of tiny little droplets that are just chock full of Yersinia pestis bacteria. And if somebody else inhales those, they can get, they're likely to get pneumonic plague as well. So once it becomes the pneumonic form, it's pretty easy to transmit person to person through cough droplets. And that is what freaks out people like the CDC. Right. Our government lists Yersinia pestis, which habitually infects up 7 to 10 Americans a year and kills one every few years. They still list it in the highest danger category of microbes because it is considered weaponizable. If you get a bunch of it and you get it in a dispenser so you can spray it into somebody's ventilation system in the form of little bitty droplets or something flatly evil like that, it has an extremely high fatality rate and it transmits pretty well person to person. And it's got a uh, latent period of one to six days. So you're exposed. You don't know you're exposed. You travel all over the country. By the time you're sick... You got sick people all over the country. That's how the Legionnaires outbreak happened. Everybody had gathered at one hotel. It It was was not the plague. plague. It was Legionnaires disease, different bacterium. But it was a bacterium that grew in, grew naturally, actually, in the ventilation system. In in a poorly maintained, wet ventilation system, air conditioning system. Yeah. So everybody at the hotel and even people walking by on the street, because they had a mister out there, Um, got exposed to the bacterium, and because it was a Legionnaire's conference, all the Legionnaires went home afterward, and so they spread it out. Now, that wasn't as catastrophic because it wasn't very good at spreading it person to person. And it wasn't nearly as (laughs) fatal. Excuse me. Yeah, it didn't have the fatality rate. But you can't spread. With that particular disease, it had a fairly high fatality rate, but a lot of that is because a lot of the Legionnaires were getting on in years. Yeah. So it was attacking people who probably didn't have the strongest immune systems in the world anyway. So that was part of that, too. They were old, sick guys with a lot of COPD, uh, that, chronic yeah. lung disease. Because they all smoked and they're, you know. Yeah. You want to destroy your lungs, smoking is the way to do it. Okay. I will stop. I'm not preach because so we could post. The plague is weaponizable, and that's something that the uh, CDC, at any rate, right. worries about. There's a book that Tom Clancy wrote, of course. Before he died, long before he died, it's one of his <laughs> really best to write it then. Yeah, uh, or you got to give credit. I mean, that's that'd be that'd Hardcore. be a heck of a heck of a feat. But it, you know, he wrote it. it the book was about uh, weaponizing Ebola, and it basically did it through a convention. And I'm not gonna you, you read Tom, look it up. Ebola, Tom Clancy, Google it. You can figure out the book. It's actually a good book. Tom Clancy was a good writer. But, um, Fortunately, it's harder to spread yeah, than Ebola. That was, that was just the thing. Ebola was something that the difference between Ebola and, say, the plague is there is really no antibiotic knock you out, kill you dead, Mr. Disease for Ebola. We got Even nothing. though it was much harder to spread. The, the bullets 
for the plague gun are fully loaded if you can do it. That is, unless, of course, it mutates. Or it gets genetically engineered. Mutate, yeah, gets... Mutated on command, basically. So that the drugs uh, don't work. But right now, there are a bunch of antibiotics that work on it. The deal is, if somebody shows up with the symptoms of the pneumonic version, you've got about 24 hours to start the right antibiotic. Or it'll kill them before you figure out what it is, because it doesn't take too long to kill you. And people in 2017 just don't think, hey, this guy's got the pneumonic plague. He's got septicemic plague. That's not, that's not the first thing you think. No. Well, maybe it is if you're in, uh, you know. If you're a doc it, in the in southwest Tucson, you know. and somebody comes in with, with swellings in their armpits that are turning black and are really tender, yeah, then you think plague because you know you got it about there. But if you're in north Missouri and they've been in the southwest, you it's, might not think Somebody that. comes in with a cough, you don't think plague right off the bat. And you probably don't feed them streptomycin right off the bat, which is the best antibiotic for it. There's about four others that also work pretty well, including like chloramphenicol. And I didn't memorize the whole list. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, antibiotics do work. So that's a beautiful thing. Uh, the concern is, one, you got to catch it really early. And, two, if somebody did, if we did manage to get a full-scale epidemic going... There's only so much antibiotic you've got sitting around on hand if you've got lots and lots of people who have to have it right now or they're going to die. Well, some of them are going to die. Would you talk to me for a minute about um, how important it is? And we've talked on this before, but let's this may reach a different audience. How important it is to complete... Your meds, if you're put on antibiotics, I don't think we could go through that enough. Okay. And why that's important. So let's frame it this way. Suppose you got somebody who shows up with symptoms of the pneumonic plague. They give him some streptomycin. Uh, he goes home. He knows the hospital's about out of streptomycin. Some members of his family that were helping take care of him before they got him to the hospital start coughing too. Gosh, there's not enough drug to go around. I'm feeling better. I'm going to give the rest of my uh, streptomycin um, to my wife, to my son, to whoever it is who's been taking care of me here. The problem is the guy took the streptomycin, and originally it killed off the most genetically susceptible bacteria that he had in him. So maybe 99% of the bacteria that he had died off in the first couple of days of the streptomycin, which is why he felt so much better. But he didn't take it for long enough to kill that last 1% or 2%. And those are the ones that are most genetically resistant to that particular antibiotic. So he goes off the antibiotic. He gives the rest of his dosage away. He's feeling fine. But that 1% or 2% of bacteria are still there, and they're multiplying, and they're multiplying, and they're multiplying. And a week later, or three days later, I don't know, it, it grows fast. He's got pneumonic plague again. And now even if he takes more streptomycin, it's unlikely to work. Because he's all the bacteria he's got now are now genetically resistant to the drug. And now when he coughs and spreads it to Aunt Edna, streptomycin is not going to work for her either. And that's how epidemics get started, get really get rolling. That's how they get completely out of control and unstoppable. 
that's the sort of thing you're you're wondering okay well why are these people bringing this up look we don't think we're going to have a big plague epidemic here in the next few years we we're not we really don't this is not like ebola we're not going to all die of ebola here in the, we're much more likely to all keel over from the flu if it's going to be a pandemic or something similar to that but it all in a sense works the same way even though it really doesn't, it does. There's a lot of similarities. There's a lot yeah. of similarities. Antibiotic resistance is a real thing. And just because we have antibiotics that work for something now doesn't mean we're, they're going to work for the same um, category of disease five years from now. So we just have to be careful. We have to, as a prepping, in a prepping situation, What's our take? Well, I'm not going to be able to stockpile streptomycin, and even if I did, I'm not a doctor. She's not a doctor. We're going to put the disclaimer here. We're neither one doctors. She is, however, a scientist in the field. Um, so it's not like we're just pulling this out of the blue or yeah. copying off a of wiki notes or something. She's actually uh, a scientist in the field of um, patho stuff. Nasty things that can kill you is kind of in my professional wheelhouse. I sat down and start reading some of her books, and I'm like, ah! My He's gosh. learned not to look over my shoulder. Oh it my it can be so ugly. Her her work. <laughs> it is some of the most disgusting cook you have ever seen in your life. It's just like ah. So anyway, um, long story short, though, um, we what can you do? I mean, as a prepper, as an everyday person, you know, you cannot, you, you could go out and, and pick up some, some antibiotics here, there, and yon, but you, you're not going to be really able to diagnose yourself or your family members. You're not going to be able to, to have a fresh supply of, of antibiotics that is across the board. You may be able to get this and that, but you won't get be able to get everything. So what is, what is it you can do? Well, you can do isolation stuff. You could do masks to put over the person who's coughing their heads off face so they don't spread it all over the world. It actually works better to have the person who's doing the coughing wear the mask than have the people who are taking care of them wear the mask. If that Did you notice I said it right? Did you I notice did. it? I did. Put it over their face and your face both. I mean, there's, you could have gowns, the disposable gowns. You could have gloves. The Tyvek gloves, which are great. How about we wash, wash your with flipping hands a lot? Wash with soap and wash with soap and wash with soap some more. And hot. So hot you can barely stick it under there, but not burn yourself, obviously. That's not the goal. Hot water and lots of it and soap, soap, soap. The alcohol... Antibacterial stuff doesn't matter. Just soap. Yeah, not the triclosan antibacterials. That's, ah, that, that, no. that's just a way to build up resistance in your house. Yeah, we horrible I, idea. I don't use idea. those at all. I don't wouldn't. They should be banned. Uh, I think they actually have been. Yeah, the FDA has the, uh, told yeah. them to pull triclosan. We're we're because it's doing we're more not, harm than good. We are government should ban things, but those were really dangerous. Those were really dangerous. That antibacterial stuff was really dangerous. So the uh, alcohol hand gels don't work as well as washing with soap and water, but they work pretty good, pretty darn good, actually. And you can take them everywhere you go. So, Yeah. 
uh, most of the disease transmission that people get, uh, yeah, if you're stuck with somebody who's coughing and you inhale it, if you're taking care of somebody or in close contact with somebody who's coughing, you can straight up inhale it. But a lot of the person-to-person disease transmission comes when sick person coughs, stuff lands on object, healthy person handles object, healthy person scratches nose, transmission complete. So the more often you wash your hands, the less likely you are to get that. That's good to know. What else can you do? Stay away from rats. (laughs) Uh... Yeah, actually, if you live in the American Southwest and you are cleaning up outbuildings or things like that, uh, because of both the plague and something called the hantavirus, you want to be careful uh, when you're handling dead animals or even their feces for the hantavirus. You won't get the plague from the feces, but you can get the uh, hantavirus from it. So be careful around uh, the rodents. In the American Southwest and the armadillos in the American Southwest. Uh, the plague isn't really a giant risk in the U.S. unless some evil SOB manages to aerosolize a bunch of it and get a whole bunch of people infected. And then you stay the heck away from coughing people and stay away from where strangers have been and been handling stuff. That'll take care of a lot of it, actually. So that's, yeah, that's kind of the takeaway we want to send home with everybody is this is just one of the many things that's out there. We don't really consider it a top priority. We just wanted to use it as an example. And it's really historically, historically, it's been one of the main killers over the years. But it's another one of these deals where if you learn the proper ways to handle things, if you learn the proper ways to protect yourself, protect your family members through shielding, through masks, through extraordinary hygiene, through washing, pretty much all of these situations are going to be made less dangerous by following the same exact procedures. And these are procedures that you really need to have in your preps. Because this is flu, this is plague, this is anthrax, this is Ebola. Ebola is not going to get you if you use hot soap and water. You know, unless and keep your eyes shielded and don't let anything splash in your face. I mean, it's just not. Even if it's there, it's not going to get you. Well, we're uh, before we totally leave the idea, if there is an epidemic that is starting to spread out there, I, for one, won't be in any airports or on any airplanes. Those are great transmission nodes. Oh, airplanes? My gosh, because they recirculate the air. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. No, no. Um, Isolation works. If it gets to be where, you know, people are just falling over left and right from whatever, and I would suspect most likely it would be the flu. Yeah. Um, Those those come around. I would suspect that would be the biggest risk that we have as a as a nation from a pandemic sort of thing you know isolation if you lock that door and don't let anybody in you really won't get the flu and you're a heck of a lot less likely to get it if you just wash your hands a lot seriously okay so we just wanted to share that with you we're going to continue to have other health related and disease related stuff because People seem to be interested in it, and it's kind of right down her 
in her strike zone. So, Frankly, when I read what, what's out there in Prepper World, I don't see a whole lot of this kind of information. And it's something that I can contribute that seems to fill a little bit of a hole, and, which is why I do so much of this kind of the stuff. And other, the other part of this, and we're just going to be straight up with you because we want you to know where we're coming from. We're not making this stuff up. We're basing this off of published information that's taught in textbooks that comes from peer-reviewed papers that's part of the medical uh, community. This isn't just, you know, so much of a prepper world is not documented. It's not, it's not annotated. It's not footnoted. You know, we don't want to be there. That's not what we're, we're, we're about. We want you to be able to, to have reproducible information. Frankly, I do get a lot of my basic ideas off just having worked in the field for a while. But then I go to the literature and check out to make sure that things that, well, everybody knows actually have some uh, good research behind them. Because sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. And as always, be safe and have a great week. Be well. Be happy.